0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to Locked On College Football Kickoff Live with myself, Drake Toll of Locked On Big 12, Kenton Gibbs of Locked On ACC, and Alex Dono of Locked On Keynes. Live every Friday from noon to 1 Eastern time, wherever you get your Locked On favorites on YouTube. Let's take a look around the country in college football. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome into College Football Kickoff Live. I'm Drake Toll from Locked On Big 12. That is Alex Dono of Locked On Canes. Kenton Gibbs is currently about three lines away from finishing off his letter to the University of Miami to get Mario Cristobal fired after last week. Dono, I know you've been working in conjunction with him to try to write that. And, and thank you, everybody, for making this your lunchtime listen every single Friday live from 11 to noon Eastern time, wherever you find your Locked On College podcast on YouTube. Dono, we're geared up for another huge week of college football madness. And speaking of madness, I'll give you a second to address Miami kneeing it out and taking home a huge win against Georgia Tech because I only watched the ESPN (laughs) highlight.
1: (laughs) Well, okay, Uh, Miami has been a meme and rightfully so (laughs) for the past six days. Uh, I'm I'm definitely, I'm not on board with that being a fireable offense. It's all going to depend on where things go from here. But I will say that was arguably the worst coaching blunder I've ever seen from any Miami head coach in my, you know, almost 38 year. I mean, I'm 39 years old. However many 35 years I've been watching the program. Haven't seen anything like that was completely, un, was completely avoidable. Uh, with that said, you know, Miami, not only, Not only do the Hurricanes need to bounce back from what was a catastrophic decision or indecision by Mario Cristobal not to take the knee and run it out, they're taking on a really tough 12th-ranked North Carolina Tar Heels undefeated team on the road tomorrow. So this is one of those fork-in-the-road gut-check situations, Drake, where everyone's wondering, did the tragedy of last weekend, is that going to cause Miami to spiral or... Is it going to make the team stronger? Are they going to respond positive, positively from that? You know, obviously, I, I cover the Hurricanes day to day. Mm-hmm. Coaches and players have said all the right things over the past, you know, five days in terms of putting it behind them, having good days in practice. But we're not really going to know until we see it take place. And it was it, it was a travesty from many different angles, Drake. Obviously, the lasting image and the biggest mistake was Mario Cristobal calling for Don Chaney to get the handoff there. At the same time, I didn't actually think it was a fumble. I think that was karma, not a fumble, that caused that turnover because I do think his elbow was down, not that it takes away from the terrible decision that Cristobal made, not to mention your defense, who had been playing lights out all game, still had to collapse on those final three plays and allow Georgia Tech to score a game-winning touchdown with 30 seconds left, which was almost unthinkable with how good Miami's defense had played to that point. Not to mention, the reason why the game was that close to begin with was because Miami's offense didn't really show up in that game. Uh, they were favored to win that game by 19 and a half, 20 points. It shouldn't have even been that close.
0: Donald, I can tell you're very, very passionate on this topic, as you should be, and that was the wildest moment of last week. Now, this week, you get top 25 matchups like UCLA, Oregon State, Miami, North Carolina, USC, and Notre Dame. And Oregon, Washington, when you look at the madness beginning already, you had West Virginia knock off Houston with 12 seconds to go on a 50-yard touchdown just for Houston to score a 50-yard Hail Mary, and that's how we started our week. But at the top of this whole thing, Georgia sits with so many question marks. They tried to answer this past week with a massive win against Kentucky, but Then there's still like a Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State making a case to be at the top of college football. One of our producers would just, you know, looking around the college channel, scroll across Locked On Big Ten and Craig Sheeman and heard some pretty interesting stuff. Should Michigan actually be ranked number one instead of Georgia? I think they should be. And frankly, I could make a case for Ohio State and maybe even Penn State should be ranked higher than the Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah, that's right, Bulldog fan. I said it. Yeah, as we welcome Kenton Gibbs back into the fold today, who also is very passionate about coaching decisions. Uh, guys, yeah. Georgia is is in a spot here that they've, they've silenced a lot of the haters, a lot of the doubters for this big Kentucky win. But Dono now, Craig Sheeman believes that there are not just one, three Big Ten teams that are better than the Bulldogs. I don't know if I'd go three, but I can definitely make a case that
1: Michigan should be number one and Georgia should not be. You know, then you could argue should Georgia be number two, number three. But, folks, the reason why Georgia's number one, it's not a mystery. It's based on history. It's based on what they've done for the past couple of years. It's based on the recruiting classes that they've put together. Based on being two-time defending national championship champion winners and being essentially unbeatable for the last couple of seasons. So, if you were to actually remove any preseason bias from it and of course the AP rankings start preseason if you just strictly look at what's happened on the field this year I believe the Michigan Wolverines should be the number one team in the country they're the only team in college football to win all six of their games so far by at least 24 points They've allowed 10 points or fewer in all six of the games that they've played so far. That's been the best team in college football. I mean, Georgia is holding on to that spot based on what they did the last couple of years and what they've done off the field heading into this year. Michigan to me, that's the number one team in America.
0: Yeah, Kenton, where do you fall here? I
2: agree. Michigan is insane. That team is just different right now. You it's it's almost like you have to find a chink in the armor. When you're talking about Michigan to say like, all right, this is where they struggle or this is where you can exploit them. Because let's be honest, where do you exploit them? Oh, they can't throw the ball deep. Who said that? Mm -hmm. Who's watched the games that would say that? Oh, they can't run the ball. Yeah, the team that won the Runyon Award a few years ago for the best offensive line as a group. I believe that's the name of the award. I could be wrong. But whatever the name of the award is for the best offensive line, they won that last year. And they bring back a lot of guys and a lot of talent there. This is a team that defensively, we just talked about, have allowed how many points, less than how many per game? Like, what are we doing here? That team has not been good. They've been dominant. Nobody's been close. Nobody's really had a a moment to say Michigan has had their chin tested. And to that extent, I will say this. If Michigan rolls through the entire season like that, Mm -hmm. I don't see a world in which they shouldn't be the number one team Um, In the nation. I think that this was a a good quality win by Georgia over Kentucky, but let's just be honest about Kentucky, right? Like how good did we really think they were coming into this game? Like, let's just be very honest with ourselves about that. We knew if you stop Ray, that's it. That's all you got. That's, you know, you're, you're not really much outside of that. So I I was wrong about Notre Dame being closer to the playoff than Georgia so far. Very wrong about that. I'll admit it. I, hey, Bulldog fans, I was wrong. But with that being said, right now, based on the eye test, Michigan looks better than Georgia.
0: I told you, Dono, I've been working on my ventriloquist skills, and I think I'm nailing it over here with Kenton. Uh, the <laughs> Michigan <laughs> The Michigan schedule has featured the last three weeks. Nebraska, Rutgers, and Minnesota. So let's little grain of salt here, but you can only take care of business. When, When that's what your schedule is, you can only take care of business. And how does 128 to 24 in those three games sound? Combined score of 128 to 24. There's not much more business you can take care of than that. Michigan taking the schedule it's been given and winning with it right now. And they won't be tested for another few weeks. You got Penn State coming up in November, the second week of November, between that Indiana-Michigan State-Purdue. <laughs> We're staring down the barrel of a Michigan team that can continue to roll through teams in this same way. And we look up at the end of the season and go, shoot, this could be, if they continue, one of the best college football teams of all time. But there's another team that's flown under the radar to us, at least. We haven't talked a lot about these Pac-12 teams In the playoff conversation, we focus more SEC, Big Ten, but the Oregon Ducks and the Washington Huskies have both been so solid this season, and now they have our game of the week. Spencer McLaughlin set to join us here in a second with Locked on Ducks and Locked on Pac-12, but I, I... we talk about dominance so far, Dono. In that conversation, squarely the Washington Huskies. Yeah,
1: yeah Washington's been incredible. Michael Penix Jr. has been, uh, you know, arguably the best quarterback in the country so far. Washington won that game by three points last season. This time, they're favored by three at home. I think Vegas and our friends at FanDuel know what they're doing when they come up with these these lines because I am expecting it to be a close game. With that said. Just watching Oregon this season, one of the most complete football teams in the country. I love how physical they are. They defy some of those Pac-12 stereotypes. So uh, I think this is going to be a fantastic game. And guys, you know, you talk about Drake. One of the reasons why maybe you know mass audiences don't talk about the Pac-12 so much is that whole Pac-12 after dark thing. A lot of the games end up starting when people are getting ready for bed or getting ready to go out to party. This one is a 3:30 p.m. Eastern Time game, so there there's no reason why you know, everyone in America who just cares about watching great college football, because in the history of the matchup between these two teams, I think they played each other more than 100 times. They've never been in both the top 10 at the same time when they played one another. So theoretically, this is the biggest matchup uh, between these two teams, Washington and Oregon ever. And there's no reason why everyone in the country shouldn't be devoting that 3.30 p.m. time slot Eastern time to watch this one.
0: Ken question for you as somebody who played the game at the collegiate level it it feels like to me as an analyst and a fan we get to about this point and there's a two-week lull there's the oh we've had a lot of college football we're waiting for that Michigan Penn State some kind of big rivalry to jolt things back up and people will overlook despite college game day being there a Washington and Oregon do you feel that way are you getting that sense
2: First thing first, uh, I'm a a dummy that's being controlled from the top string. So just to let you know, Drake does not have his arm anywhere that it shouldn't be. But now moving forward from there, uh, very seriously, I absolutely think this game is being overlooked because this game not only has Pac-12 implications, this game has national championship implications. But let's take it a step further. This game has implications in terms of how these teams are viewed when realignment hits. Both of these teams are going to the Big Ten, right? But there's going to be a certain amount of cachet that one of these teams walks in with. Everybody knows Oregon as the university of 50,000 jersey combinations. Everybody knows Oregon as the, the team with all of the amenities and all of the facilities and all of the things you can imagine. When you look at Washington, people don't know much. There isn't much to be said. And I'll tell you what. Neither one of those teams want to go into the Big Ten with that as their thing. Oregon doesn't want to go into the Big Ten as the team is, you're flashy, you're a flash in the pan, you're Phil Knights, boys, but that's it. Washington doesn't want to go in with, who are the Huskies? Who are these guys? What city do they even play in? Nobody wants to go in as the no-name or the guys that are just cutesy-wootsy out west doing their fun thing up there in the Pacific Northwest. Nobody wants that. So this game is important for those teams' reputations in that manner. And of course, the playoff implications are massive. Because what if this game is close and both of these teams run the table, and then whoever loses this game ends up winning in the conference championship
1: if they don't have division. No, no divisions. I don't want to. Uh, you know, we. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's either one of those. They're either. Nine conference guys. I thought, I thought there more. were no.
2: I thought there were no divisions. I thought they didn't. Yeah. I thought they got rid of it a few years ago. But either yeah. way it goes. Either, either way it the, Each they the the North, team right? plays,
1: They play nine conference games. Each team. Okay. The okay, north, cool. and the south, and
0: right. right I remember north the north and, uh, and the south. I remember the it being leaders north and south. the legends. Yeah. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Locked on college ball kickoff life. The only place that that, that you know the journey's out on yeah. the Pac-12 yeah. divisions. Um, which next year will have zero. <laughs> It'll have the zero. pack will have zero <laughs> divisions. The yes. Yes. <laughs> zero divisions for those guys. Um, look at for a game like this. That yes, I I agree is being overlooked. If you, if you win this game and I can't, I think you touched on this. Even if this, if this game is close, we start to have the conversation of what are the playoff implications for these two teams and whoever wins the pac 12. I just, if you're, if you're Oregon, right. And you go on the road and you beat Washington, the rest of the way at Utah is tough. USC at home is tough. Oregon state is tough, but I just with Bo Nix, who's office parents insurance, who can rent a car, there is no reason an Oregon win shouldn't put them, not just squarely in the conversation of a college football playoff, but we're talking, hey, this this team's in. I mean, yeah. this, this team deserves to be in. And for Washington on the other side, Arizona State and stand for the next couple of weeks, they they springboard you into four top 25 games to close out the season. But you get a couple of these Utahs at home. USC being on the road is going to be tough. Who we have, again, another team we haven't talked a lot about, whether or not that defense can uphold, I think Washington and Oregon Dotto both have better defenses than USC. And that in the end is going to keep the Trojans out of the college football playoff. Yeah. I, I said this a few weeks
1: ago, you know, when, when USC was ranked ahead of Oregon, that it's just, that doesn't match up with the eye test. And again, this goes back to what we started the show with is Georgia really the number one team in the country, or are they number one because of what they've done the last couple of years? Uh, USC, despite the fact that they keep winning, they keep falling in the rankings because people start to realize that defense is more and more fraudulent. You obviously have a quarterback that can do everything but walk on water in Caleb Williams. And you've got a great offensive head coach in Lincoln Riley. But, you know, when you're talking about either competing for the Pac-12 is one thing, which I don't think USC is going to win that conference. But then talk about competing for a college football playoff. You've got to have some semblance of a defense. They don't
0: no I don't think I'll tell you
2: this much I'll tell you this much Caleb Williams may not be able to walk on water but that boy like you said everything on the field you ask him to do he can do it in space plus some absolutely love the kid but I agree with Drake they're not good enough um, defensively but I want to take it a step further even in the trenches offensively do you think they have an answer for a Washington or an Oregon or even a Utah up front I'm not sure if they do I'm not sure if they do. That's a deep concern of mine in going forward in this game. And so, you know, I, I, I'm I loving the fact that we're about to get Spencer on to talk about this thing because I just really want to hear whether or not there is a hope in the Pac-12 outside of these two in terms of being that team that gets to the playoffs.
0: Coming up next, you've had these three talking heads talking about it. Spencer McLaughlin of Locked on Ducks, Locked on Pac-12. will join the show, but first, Dono.
1: Well, I want to talk about LinkedIn Jobs because every – These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available for your small business? That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. You add your job with the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile and spread the word that you're hiring. People will see it, believe me. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.
0: Spencer McLaughlin joining the show from Locked On Ducks and Locked On Pac-12. Spencer, from a holistic standpoint, before we talk just Oregon, this to me feels like this is the last great game of the Pac-12. Every week where you get two top ten teams matching up in this conference, it's huge for a league that's giving one last middle finger to all of college football.
3: (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to put it. I, I think it's the one <laughs> one last middle finger to Pac-12 fans when you look at the entertainment value this conference is providing for everyone and that it is just completely dissolving after uh, this season. I mean, you've got three top 25 matchups across the Pac-12 this week. You have USC and Notre Dame, which is honestly the third most interesting game in the conference this yeah. week, legitimately, yeah. because Oregon yeah. State and UCLA, the loser is probably in all likelihood out of of the Pac-12 championship hunt and uh, therefore the college football playoff uh, as well. And I think UCLA and Oregon State in the eyes of some are kind of dark horse candidates to make a run at the CFP if they could go 12-1 and and win the Pac-12 and be the first time that either uh, have done so. But their schedules are immensely favorable and that's why uh, the game is uh, so interesting. But I mean, uh, as it pertains to Oregon and Washington, like it, it is an outstanding football game and it is, I think, boosted in the interest department because of the rivalry factor. Because when you look at the implications of the actual game, it's almost identical. Everything about this game, frankly, is identical to Red River last week at, at the Cotton Bowl. You've got big time rivals who are going to a new conference together after this season. Their big television draws in their conferences. You have undefeated teams. You have two teams whose combined ranking is 15, by the way. You have seven and eight this week. You had 12 and three last week. It's a spirited rivalry. It always has been and always will be even in the new conference. And then the winner is in a great spot to get to the conference championship game and also the college football playoff and will control their own destiny to get there. But the loser is by no means completely out of that conversation. I don't think anyone's looking at Texas and saying, well, they're not winning the big 12. Now they could never beat Oklahoma. Like of course they could beat Oklahoma. They just didn't. And, And the same goes for Oklahoma. If they lost the game, like, If Dylan Gabriel throws an interception on that last drive, nobody looked at it and says, oh, well, Oklahoma can't win. They can't do this, that, and and the other thing. No, they can. They just didn't on that particular day. Like, this is a coin flip game. Uh, This is a sort of game that is going to, you know, really really provide an extra level of bragging rights for whichever side wins because of the stakes like they are so so big it's the highest ranked matchup in the history of oregon and washington so it's going to be a massive game game day is going to be there in seattle like the stage is set for everything to be as big as it can possibly be
2: you know what i know the spencer ankles hurt from standing on so much pac-12 business i'm I'm (laughs) proud of you i'm proud (laughs) because i'm gonna tell you this is a dissolving conference and you still there battling it out every week but let's talk about the the kind of other guys for a second here, right? So you talk about this game is not really an elimination game so much as it is a propeller team forward game. In looking at the guys outside of this game, who would you say, hey, they have a great shot to make the playoff, even, th- even though, you know, whichever team wins this game is obviously in the driver's seat. This team is in the passenger seat and gunning.
3: Yeah, you, you can make the case for for several schools. Oregon State and UCLA are uh, dark horses for sure. I, I don't know if they've got the teams that are you know good enough to get to the playoff. Oregon State's defense has posed questions this year. Uh, to Cal and Washington State on the road, they allowed thirty nine and a half points a game. You know, thirty eight to Washington State and then forty to Cal. No, now those are my California Golden Bears of uh, of course, but you shouldn't be allowing 40 points to Cal. So that yeah. certainly is raising some questions, especially with Oregon and Washington on their schedule for UCLA. The defense is there. I mean, it's the best defense I think I've ever seen a chip Kelly team have. That includes his days back at Oregon in the early 2010s. Like they, they had some sneaky, good defensive units. They didn't have a front four like this, like the the Murphy brothers and lie to those are all NFL draft picks in the early rounds. Lots probably a, a top 10, 15 pick. He is outstanding, but for UCLA, the questions come offensively, which is a weird thing to say about Chip Kelly's team. But my concern with them coming into the year was, what are you going to get at the quarterback position? What what, what are you going to get there? What, like, Who's starting? What are we doing in the best quarterback conference in America? So I think those teams have questions. Washington State, we saw the inconsistency against UCLA. I, I think their defense is good. I think their offense is overall good with Cam Ward, who's great, but the offensive line is just not. The, the offensive line was absolutely dominated. And look, UCLA's front four is good. Absolutely. But you got to be able to put up a better fight than what they did. They couldn't run the football. They couldn't protect Cam Ward. Couldn't get him into a rhythm. So I think those teams all have concerns. And then you come to USC, and, and technically speaking, any of these teams are alive for the playoff because they only have one loss. And Washington State also has a very favorable schedule. They miss USC and Utah as they go through the Pac-12 slate. But for USC, they play at Notre Dame this week. I think they're going to lose to the Irish for the first time. Their playoff hopes won't be done. But again, you then have to go through Washington, Utah, UCLA, and Oregon, and the Pac-12 championship game undefeated. A- and these gauntlets are, are reminiscent of what the SEC once was and is not currently right now. Because I think beyond the, the, the top few teams, the SEC is pretty weak compared to what it has been. The Pac-12 is a big-time gauntlet right now, and it's just hard to see a team getting through with one or zero losses when you factor in the Pac-12 championship game. Like Oregon and Washington could be a Pac-12 championship game preview. USC could get there. I know their defense is bad, but I've seen bad Lincoln-Riley teams on, on the defensive side of the ball go to the college football playoff and win a conference championship as a 12-1 and football team. So I, I think those those teams are all on the table It's a matter of letting things play out. I I think common sense would tell you, well, USC would be the most likely. Probably. But I I don't think the gap between them and an Oregon State in terms of likelihood of getting there is that large because Oregon State has a much, much easier schedule.
1: Well, that's a great rundown. I want to take it back, though, to Oregon and Washington because I'm so excited for this
3: matchup. Yeah, it's going to be awesome.
1: What's the biggest path to victory for both teams? Oregon wins if they do what or Washington wins if they do what?
3: I think Washington wins if they protect Michael Penix from Oregon's pass rush. Uh, This is a a pass rush that had a historically bad season for the Ducks a year ago. Their lowest pass rush and sack rate since, I think, 2000 was the number. They only had 18 sacks in 13 games last year. They have 18 sacks through five games this year. So, So they have revamped their defensive line. They are more physical up front. I think they are faster on the back end, which was a big problem last year against Washington, who beat them for two long touchdowns in, in the second half, going after the same player, Bennett Williams, who uh, is no longer on the team. Instead, his brother Evan is there, who, who's a faster player. And look, you could still get beat over the top, but it doesn't seem like the same guy is going to get beat twice because of you know what what appears to be a, a lack of speed. So I, I think that Oregon's defense is much improved here, but, but Michael Penix is just so good. Like 75% completion this year, over 400 yards a game. He, he's just awesome. His receiving core is insane. I think there's a case it's better than Ohio State's, and if you want to put Ohio State one, that's fine, but Washington better be number two, because Jalen McMillan and Roma Dunze, those are first-round receivers, and Jalen Polk is probably an early second or third-round wide receiver as well, so you've got so much NFL talent on that side of the football. If you can't pressure Michael Penix and disrupt him, what Washington loves to do, they, they can throw the ball at all three levels, but really their their offense is a deep shot it, it's this kind of living embodiment of that meme you know effort justin jefferson is down there somewhere yeah. but they but they do it with a purpose they do it with a purpose like Penix is just going back there and on the first play from scrimmage against michigan state for instance they're going 45 yards down the field like they, they don't mess around and wait to unlock those deep shots it, it's take the deep shots first second and third and then try and come underneath But those plays have to have time to develop, and that's where Oregon struggled a year ago. They did not sack Michael Penix at Autzen Stadium. He went for over 400 yards passing in a place that is usually a pretty tough one to win, and Washington pulled it out to their credit. So I think Washington wins if they protect Michael Penix. I think Oregon wins if they're able to continue to have success running the football the way they did a year ago in this game. They went for over 300 rushing yards and still found a way to lose, which I'm still upset about. But you know what? Hopefully I get over it pretty quickly come Saturday afternoon. But I think if Oregon protects the football and gets off to a good start, they'll win the game. Because this is a Husky crowd that is going to be absolutely positively on fire. Everybody is so well aware of what the stakes are, the rivalry, the history, the the implications for the CFP and the Pac-12. It's all there. It's all on the line. And the only thing I think a crowd loves more than a touchdown is a turnover. And if you let them get into it early, and if you give them big momentum swings with turnovers, and Washington's defense has forced more than a few this year, I think that puts the Ducks at a serious disadvantage. They've got to be able to start strong and protect the football. And they've protected the football very well this year. In their two road games, they've gone off to sluggish starts, and that's what has me concerned for the Ducks.
0: Spencer McLaughlin locked on Pac-12 and locked on Ducks. By the way, the Pac-12 has... No divisions. Just wanted to tell you. That's Didn't correct. I don't know if you were positive about that, but we are all very sure here Pac 12 does not have divisions.
3: It sounds like I missed something. <laughs> you did not. Nothing. nothing. You missed nothing at all. Nothing. Spencer, thanks so
0: much for joining Lockdown College Football Kickoff Live.
3: Yeah, you're welcome.
0: All right, guys, coming up next, we're going to go into one of my favorite segments, and that is sell me why. <music> guys, the Auburn Tigers three and two this season, but they are zero and two in the SEC. They can't seem to win a game there. And this week they face LSU, who's four and two. They're three and one in conference, 22nd in the country. Auburn's on the road. It, I mean, this is Baton Rouge, guys. There's just no way. This Auburn Tiger team that's reeling. Where they're talking about firing the coach. There's so much about Auburn that we got to figure out down the stretch here. Can the Tigers keep it close? Zach Blackerby, our lock-on
4: Auburn host, is here to sell us why the Auburn Tigers can absolutely cover this eleven and a half point spread on the road against LSU. I'm Zach Blackerby, host of Locked On Auburn. LSU's offense is getting a ton of attention, and rightfully so. Jaden Daniels, I think, should be the front runner for the Heisman right now. But LSU's defense is really bad, and everybody's looking over this one stat. LSU is the second worst team in the SEC when it comes to allowing opponents' average yards per drive. It's over six plays per drive that they're allowing over the course of the season. How is Auburn going to win this game or how is Auburn going to cover this 11 and a half points? They keep LSU's offense off the field. Auburn has one of the best rushing offenses in the SEC. They ran the ball very well against Georgia the last time they took the field. Long drives for the Tigers. I'm not saying they win, but that 11 and a half point spread, it's looking pretty good. Yeah, Kenton,
0: 11 and a half is a lot, but it's a night game, LSU at home. I, I think you're a maniac if you touch this game.
2: Here's the deal, right? Auburn can run the ball. LSU has struggled defensively, and of course, Brian Kelly is going to blame it on inexperience, which you know is going to lead to a lot of finger pointing in the locker room. No, it's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. Auburn has not done anything this season to make me think like, hey, this is a scary team. This is a team that can challenge. This is a team that can push. With that in mind, if Jaden Daniels has his way and the defense comes up with an opportunistic stop here and there, I believe that they firmly cover this 11. I, you know, we call this sell me why. Zach Blackerby would literally have to sell me on why. Actually give me money to say, hey, place the bet with my money that they're going to cover this thing. Because under no circumstances would I bet on this Auburn team to not be, you know, absolutely demolished by any good uh, good LSU or SEC team.
0: Yeah, Dono, to me, I- I'm in a spot where I see Auburn's driving down by seven late. There's the pick six that gives mm-hmm. LSU the cover. That This just feels like one of those games where it's going to be crushing on one side or the other, and again, home team, LSU, I think they favor. Yeah, you know, I was actually telling Zach Blackerby off air before
1: the show that I think Auburn can cover eleven and a half and because again, conference opponents, that's a really big number. Um, but would I actually put my hard earned money on that happening? I have to take a step back and uh, yeah, I probably do sit this one out. If anything, you know how this plays out with the spread. I think at LSU could win a close game or they could win a not so close game. I find it hard to believe that Auburn wins the game outright, but how it plays out with the spread might just depend on whose weakness is a bigger weakness in this game because a matchup to look for, Auburn has the 119th-ranked passing offense in that's the country out the way, of 130. It was wonder, yeah, that's that's really good. bad. But then LSU has the 119th-ranked passing defense in the country. So something's got to give here, right? Maybe there's a chance Auburn can actually throw the ball around the yard a little bit. But listen, uh, he came close to selling me why just as a matter of principle, I would usually bet the underdog to cover a double digit spread in a conference game, but I'm probably going to sit this one out.
0: How about we stay in the sec with the Kentucky wildcats who are five and one sitting second in the East behind the Georgia bulldogs who are number one in the country and beat the ever loving heck out of them last week. This week, they get another sec opponent, but it's Missouri, a little bit easier than Georgia. Can Kentucky Cover the fan duel spread in this one. Here's locked on Kentucky host Lance Daw to sell us why. Kentucky football is favored by two and a half points this weekend against the Missouri Tigers.
1: And there are a couple of reasons why Mark Stoops and Co. should cover this weekend. The first, obviously, being the fact that this one is in Lexington. I would like to see Kentucky continue their trend of beating Missouri in Lexington. As they have over the past few seasons, I think that the crowd will definitely be into this one after a disappointing loss to Georgia. Things are going to get right back on track this weekend against the Missouri Tigers. And then the second is Kentucky's ball control offense. The Wildcats are one of the slowest teams in the SEC When it comes to pace of play on the offensive side of the ball, I think that they are going to use that to their advantage, keep Missouri's talented skill position players on the sideline, and they are going to utilize Ray Davis to get themselves a win and cover the
0: spread this weekend against Eli Drinkwitz and the Tigers. Look, guys, Missouri is a much scarier team than we expected them to be. Now, Kentucky at home. Uh, this is a night game, but no, nobody, nobody's ever warned you about Lexington at night. Kenton, though, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, Missouri, as much as I've wanted to doubt them this year, they've ended up being pretty good.
2: I know y'all know what I'm going to say. This is a Eli drink with stand account. You understand me? You we love Eli. We are you love drink. The- I am riding with the drink everywhere. Okay, me and Coach Drink, we locked in. We on one accord in this thing. All right, I- I'll tell you what. In the words of T Pain, I'm gonna buy you a drink and then sell you why. Because I've got the Missouri Tigers getting it done by at least three in this game. Because I mean, don't get me wrong. The demoralizing effect of that last game on Kentucky. One loss turns into two, mm-hmm. and that two loss is not going to be a good one because it's not. It, it? This is not a situation where I feel like that team walked into that game against Georgia saying, hey, we may get our heads beat in, but we're just going, mm-hmm. you know, next week and we'll keep it moving. That was a team that was expecting to at least keep it close and at least pinch the Bulldogs, and it didn't happen. It just did not happen whatsoever. So with that being said, I think that this is a game where, again, Missouri, you know, you talk about ball control and all that, they've got one of the best rushers in the league. What are, what are we doing here? Like, they they can control the ball just as well, and they've got a defense that at times they do look shaky, but they got guys like Johnny Walker and company that come along at just the right moment,
0: make just the right play when you need it. I got Missouri covered. Yeah, Dono, I'm looking at a Missouri team that had a lead against LSU. LSU scores 22 in the fourth and wins it. A Kentucky team that got killed. Two Two very different mentalities coming into this one. Yeah, for me, um, Kentucky's been
1: very good in Lexington. Um, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go against Kenton on this one. Um, the home field advantage is a big one for me. I, I usually think that's worth about three points still in college football. They're only favored by two and a half. I see Kentucky winning a close game. Plus, I know I say this, guys, when it comes to betting, I try to take my emotion out of it. But the one emotion I have trouble taking out of it is pettiness. Because I, I I was I was counting I was counting on Mizzou uh, to cover against LSU last week and they they were able to uh, to find you know the most uh, annoying way possible not to do that giving up 22 points in the fourth quarter so I, I'm I'm just if it were in Missouri I'd probably go the other way but Kentucky's been good at home I'm gonna go Kentucky and Lexington to cover minus two and a half win the game by three points.
0: Yeah, I think that Missouri's got the edge at quarterback by such a dramatic amount that that gives the Tigers a really good shot to win this week. And Schrader's certainly good enough at running back that he can pull this team to a victory. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the upset. I I like Missouri to walk. I'm with you, Kent. And I like Missouri to walk into Lexington and get the whim. Now, the 19th-ranked Tennessee Volunteers, they enter the week at 4-1. Their one loss came with the hands of the Florida Gators. This week, they enter as big fan-duel favorites against the Texas A&M Aggies. This is such an intriguing matchup to me. Can the Vols run away from the conference rival in the Ags? Here to tell us why, Locked On Vols host Eric King. So what do I think Tennessee covers the three
5: points against Texas A&M tomorrow, 3.30 CBS Game of the Week in Neyland Stadium? Well, try this on for size. Uh, it's been since 2021 that Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies have won a true road football game. Yeah, 2021 Missouri, okay? Jimbo Fisher's record against uh, teams ranked inside the top 25 on the road as a head football coach is not very good meanwhile tennessee's won 12 straight games at neyland stadium sure every saturday is different okay every team is different i get all that but tennessee if you if you look at the trends here it bodes well for tennessee also you're going to get man-to-man one-on-one coverage and there will be some shots taken down the field and after seeing what Jalen milroe did at that aggie secondary a week ago i mean joe Milton's not been great but hey i think joe Milton's good enough to hit a couple big plays because it's going to be tough sledding trying to run against that aggie defense so Trends say pick Tennessee. Uh, the road record for Jimbo Fisher says pick Tennessee. The way Tennessee bounced back in against South Carolina, hey, playing at home, you're a good football team. So I have a whole lot of confidence that Tennessee covers the three points and beats Texas A&M at home, Neyland Stadium, uh, tomorrow on CBS Checkered Neyland Game of the Week. So uh, for more on Locked On Balls, tune in to Locked On Balls. I am your host,
0: Eric Kane, and uh, should be a good one. Looking forward to it. Tennessee John Neighbors likes the Vols this week. ESPN, 56% chance for the Vols to get it done at home. Uh, FanDuel about three-point favorites, so a field goal separating these two. Dono, I'm going to go to you first because you mentioned the home team getting three points. You kind of like that spot usually.
1: Not here, though. Uh, As charming as Kane is, uh, I I'm very bullish on Texas A&M's front seven. Uh, There are obviously causes for concern because Jimbo Fisher is a guy who has found ways to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. But I'm I'm going I'm going talent for talent here. Uh, I think Texas A&M is going to get it done with their physicality up front on defense. So I'm actually this time I am going with the slight road upset.
2: Yeah. Kenton, where do you feel? You know, I look at this Texas A&M team, and I say to myself, they're 4-2 overall, 4-2 against the spread. It's hard to say, like, oh, this is just a terrible team that's going to do bad things and all that. But you know what is easy to say? If it's not a big game, Jimbo Fisher and his team will be ready. They'll show up. They'll do it the right way. The minute that light hits them, oh, man. oh man. Jimbo Fisher going to fold like a, a Thanksgiving plate if the food nasty. And you know what I'm talking about. It, if if the ain't hitting, you'll fold a glass plate to make sure nobody sees you. Oh. Throw that thing away. And that's that's what Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M have done every time they have had a big moment, especially on the road. So with that being said, the Aggies are, are mincemeat, deer meat, veal, whatever you want to say. It's good eating for Bazooka Joe and the volunteers in this one.
0: I, uh, guys, I, I, I need to get to my bus this week. I need to get to my boom or my bus. I'll give us each one boom or one bus. That's what we got time for today. But first, Dono. Well, first
1: folks, we got, again, there are no bus on FanDuel, only booms here. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book because right now, New customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time than right now to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the
2: NFL. Oh, I think you're muted. Uh-oh, right. Drake is muted. Drake is very lively, but very muted.
0: I turned out not as good of a controller quest as I thought I was. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, guys, I'm very excited about the the boomer bust this week, and I'm gonna start with last night's bust. This is the West Virginia Mountaineers. Look, from the Big Twelve perspective, we haven't talked a lot of Big Twelve today, and there's no reason to. How many good teams are in the Big Twelve? One, two, three, four, none. You can count. I can count that high. The only two good teams in the Big Twelve are Texas and Oklahoma, and they're not in the Big Twelve anymore. So you're looking at West Virginia saying, maybe there's a chance this team wreaks some havoc, and they lose to Houston. They lose to Cougar High. Cougar High, the worst team in the conference west virginia wins it you think oh we escaped we escaped 12 seconds to go bat it down all you got to do is bat it down houston throws a hail mary they win the game and now guys if you look at the big 12 standings there's nothing there's nothing standing between texas and oklahoma meeting again in the big 12 title game in arlington which is the worst case scenario for this conference as those two teams leave my bus this week is West Virginia Neil Brown is refired he's refired get the LinkedIn back up and ready to go he thought he was going to get an extension and he is not <laughs> I'm giving my bus to West Virginia Kenton do you have one boom or one bust
2: oh well you know me you know what I mean in the words of De La Soul it was just me myself and I going with the Oklahoma Sooners. It was (laughs) me, myself, and I saying that that was a good team back when y'all thought Cincinnati. Cincinnati, the Bearcats. We're going to take them out. And now, Lo and behold, lo and behold, they beat Texas. They beat Quinn Ewers and company. Oh, man, the Red River shootout looks like they're the quicker draw. They're the fastest hands in the West. Look at Brett Venables. I'm not saying that Clemson needs him back. I'm not saying he ain't going back to Clemson because he's the head man in charge now, and he's leading things how he wants to. But, boy, boomer sooner is my boom, baby.
0: Kenton Gibbs, Boomer Sooner. Brent, you've been on the Brent Venables train. I will give you credit for that. Dono, a boom
1: or a bust? Here's why Kenton just set me up for failure, because I had one boom and one bust written down. And I got excited when Drake said, we have time to just do one or the other. <laughs> it's the Dono special. It's like, you know what? We uh, so, got seven of them this week, guys. Today, I just had, I had one boom, one bust written down, and Kenton just went with my boom. So... Unfortunately, I have to go with my bus, and I didn't want to be in the position to remind people of what the team that I cover just did last (laughs) weekend. So I'm going to keep it brief. Uh, Up 20-17, to driving in Georgia Tech territory. There's 33 seconds left in the football game. All Mario Cristobal had to do was take a knee and escape with an unnecessarily ugly victory. Did he do that? No, he didn't do that. They ran the football. A fumble turnover was called. And, you know, the, uh, the longest 30 seconds of my life ensued after that. Uh, I hope the team can bounce back this weekend against North Carolina. But, yeah, the program that I cover, Miami Hurricanes, they're my bus
0: this week. There are your booms or busts, guys. We have a second game of the week this week because the Pac-12 is delivering. This one is USC and Notre Dame with Locked On Irish, Tyler (music) Wozniak. Tyler Wozniak, Locked On Irish. You've got USC on the docket this week for Notre Dame team that's really good the strength of schedule has certainly been there. How do you bounce back against a USC defense that many people think is fraudulent?
6: That's a good question. I think we're all waiting to find out the answer to see if Notre Dame's offensive coordinator, Jared Parker, has the answers. Because <laughs> it's been a pretty tough showing the last few weeks for the team as a whole, but particularly on the offense. And they're going up against a USC defense that I don't know if I'd say fraudulent, but I would say they're certainly vulnerable this weekend so they have a good opportunity to bounce back but it's their eighth game in as many weeks so it's been a bit of a struggle lately coming off that Louisville game there's certainly a lot of pressure on Marcus Freeman and the coaching staff to bounce back because if they were to go into the bye week five and three that's the same start they had last season I know it's only Marcus Freeman's uh second season but I think the the pressure from the fan base will certainly start to ramp up a little bit
2: you know well y'all broke my heart Y'all broke my heart because I came into the season. My hot take for the season was that Notre Dame was going to be closer to the playoff than Georgia. And lo and behold, lo and behold, that playoff is near and dear. It's a distant memory at this point. But with that being said, do you think, or let me ask you this rather, what is the ceiling of this team now that it seems that the playoff is all but a foregone conclusion that's not happening?
6: I mean, I want to say 10 and two, but I also don't think that Notre Dame is going to beat USC this weekend. So probably nine and three, I would say. I think at this point, just the way things have been going, I think they'll probably end up losing to USC on Saturday, potentially by double digits. And then after that, it's just going to be a matter of piecing things together during the last four games. Fortunately for them, the strength of schedule does ease up a little bit. Uh, After this bye week, they even have another bye week in between some games. Uh, They have Pitt, Wake Forest, um, Stanford. Going on the road to Clemson and going on the road to Clemson, even though Clemson isn't what they used to be, that's still a tough game. So I think realistically, nine and three is probably the best case scenario, which is unfortunate. It's certainly not what I was hoping for going into the season. But I guess if there's one positive spin on it, they would reach their over on season (laughs) win total. So it's not a fun place to be right now. I'll tell you that. Now, I I actually, I'm on the other end of it. I I think Notre Dame can pull it off this
1: week. Uh, A lot of that has to do with my opinions on USC's defense, but I'm interested for you to hear you say you think USC gets it done maybe by a couple touchdowns. So what do you think are
6: the matchups that are going to decide this game? Well, I just, I don't have much faith in Notre Dame's offense and their ability to keep up with Caleb Williams uh, in particular. And I understand that USC's defense is certainly gettable, but the one thing that they're good at is getting pressure on the quarterback. They've been effective at that all year. That's Alex Grinch's style. He likes to create negatives, create havoc plays, and then force turnovers. And I don't know what happened to Notre Dame's offensive line unit, but it is practically falling off a cliff in these last few games against Louisville. They, they started mixing combinations on the line. I think they ended up playing four different units or four different combinations, I should say, throughout that game. So they're trying to figure things out, especially on the interior between the guards and the center. Hell, even Joe Alt had a rough game against Louisville last week. So, even though I think Notre Dame is going to be able to score some points, I think that USC's defense is going to create enough pressure on Sam Hartman, make things difficult for him, that Notre Dame will be able to score, but they won't be able to score at will, uh, much like Caleb Williams has done in practically every single game throughout his college career.
0: Tyler Wojak, who hurt you?
6: (laughs) Notre Dame football, man. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We brought you... (laughs) I don't even mean to be like, and I don't even think I'm being like negative Nancy. I just look at it and I'm like, ah, oh, this is tough. And I try to be realistic. And if I'm going to come on, I'll give an honest opinion. But uh, yeah, I will say vibes are not particularly high among the Notre Dame fan base right now. It is weird, especially going into a game like this against USC, where the, the energy and excitement is mm-hmm. not really there. Now I can tell you going into that Ohio State game, much different vibe. And uh, just the way that game ended, It was a great win against Duke, but that very easily could have been a loss. So it almost feels like Notre Dame has lost three straight games. So, yeah, I'm not necessarily oozing confidence, but, hey, I have been wrong many times before in my life. I am hoping that I'm wrong again after Saturday.
0: Admirably objective. Tyler Wojak. thanks for joining Lockdown College Football
6: Kickoff Live. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Well,
1: folks, we got to talk about LinkedIn Jobs. If you're a small business owner, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. You add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Folks, I know that this works because I've been on the other side of it. I have gotten jobs through LinkedIn Jobs before. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply.
0: It is time for game time decisions. We'll take you through the best lines, the biggest games this week, and the panel will choose guys. Let's start with one of the biggest lines in the top 25 this week. It's number two, Michigan hosting Indiana favored at FanDuel by 33 points. Let's go rapid fire. Donna, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, listen, history would say Michigan has not only beaten
1: all the inferior teams in front of them, they've taken care of business and covered. They haven't won a game by less than 24 points this year. I think the Wolverines win, cover, and they continue to have people like me say they probably should be the number one team in the country.
2: I say they dominate, but 33 is crazy. That is – that's a little intense. That's counting on Harbaugh not letting up off the gas. And so while he does his best to keep this team motivated, at some point in time, like, I think that he's going to realize, hey, we're good here and kind of call off the dogs a bit. I'm going to say that the uh, the Hoosiers cover this one.
0: Yeah, I, I Indiana lost to Maryland by, by less than 33. I mean, they, they kept 44-17, right? It's, it's kind of where I see this game falling um even a a 49 to 17 still isn't a 33 point cover. I lean Indiana here but it's a game that I'll probably stay away from. Let's yeah. jump into a Ale- couple of the big lines here. Alabama hosts Arkansas this week. 2 and 4 in SEC play for the Razorbacks, but at FanDuel right now, you can buy this up to 20 and a half, 21 points. That's three touchdowns, Dono. Oh man. Um <sighs>
1: I, I guess we're starting to see more signs of Alabama's offense coming together, but to me, I, I'm going to say they don't cover. I'm going to say they win comfortably, just not by that many. So ugh, I, I'm having a hard time with this one. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, no,
2: I'm going to say they win, but don't cover. Yeah.
0: KJ Jefferson in this game, Kenton Gibbs is a three touchdown dog
2: free Jefferson till it's backwards. They got my boy locked up down there in Razorback country with that being said, um, I agree with Dono. I just don't see him, you know, uh, 21 is a little aggressive. Yeah. And as as the, uh, as the Aubrey once said, 21, can you do something for me? No, not in this game. 21 will not do something funky for Alabama. I think, again, Alabama wins. They control this game. But this feels like a game where they're up by 20. And, you know, you you know that you're not going to cover. And um, Arkansas is driving and whatnot. And they just end the game with like, oh, we threw a Hail Mary. It didn't work. And that's, that's going to be the end of it.
0: As you're scrolling through your television and you scroll past Superman and Lois, you see that up next on the CW is Louisville and Pittsburgh. Now this one's a rat line. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. Louisville only favored by seven and a half, despite being six and O oh at one and four pit getting your locked on ACC. What am I missing here? Louisville is going to whoop the wheels off
2: those yeah. boys. I don't know where this came from. There are times where I know that Vegas does this at a high level, that the house always wins, all that good stuff. But there are some times where I look up and I'm like, is Vegas trying to give us away money? Is that is this how they keep people hooked by bets like this? This is the one. This is There is no way under God's green earth that Pitt, with a defense that is shown to be – a little bit shaky even without playing a ton of snaps. An offense that could not score in a brothel with a million dollars per player. And and a situation in terms of just team cohesion overall where Phil Jakovic is always looking for somebody new to blame so much so you had to bench him and you only got Louisville winning by seven. Yeah, best of luck to you. Best of luck.
1: I am completely bamboozled by this number. Uh if this was last year's Pitt Panthers, I could say okay, I get it. That team is hot garbage I so bad. far this year. Like th- this is not this is not your debt like like Pitt is usually always pretty good to yeah, to okay. to decent, but man, they got boat raced 41-24 at home against UNC. They somehow lost to Virginia Tech 38 to 21. Pittsburgh is going to get steamrolled. Now, I had my doubts about Louisville. Uh, up until a couple of weeks ago, just knowing, hey, this is a team that can hang around because their schedule is really easy, but they they proved something to me against Notre Dame. I am taking Louisville very seriously now. I hope Pittsburgh is as well, and I hope anyone thinking of betting Pitt plus seven understands what you're getting into because they're not going to cover
0: Rat line, guys, rat line. That's the reason I bet West Virginia minus three was free mm. money. It's never free money. The <laughs> over-under in that game being 44-and-a-half, too, is very interesting. I'll have my yeah. eyes on that. I'm going to go Louisville minus seven-and-a-half as well because that's a smart pick. Kansas, Oklahoma State, this one in Stillwater. KU favored by three. Let's go quick, Kenton.
2: Uh, the mullet's done. Kansas yeah. covers. They get it done. Mullet's that's, done. that's you know, he, he's going to be in Stillwater forever.
0: The 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 thrill is gone.
1: Yeah. Alex, Kansas by a touchdown. Yeah, I'm I'm with Kenton on this one.
0: The Oklahoma State starting quarterback, Alan Bowman, has two touchdown passes all year. Kansas, Kansas gets it done in Stillwater. It's not your grandma's Kansas team. Some other close lines this week. How about Miami and North Carolina? Donna, we go to your territory here. The Kings travel to Chapel Hill.
1: Yeah, it's it's a tough one. Um, I will note that three of the last four meetings between these teams have been decided by three points. Uh, so, so that line being three and a half is an interesting one to me. Um, I do think Miami is going to have a positive response from what happened last week because all the indications tell me they will. I think Miami has some advantages at the line of scrimmage. Their offensive line has only surrendered five sacks all year. North Carolina has only produced four sacks in their last four games. I think Miami can cover. uh, I think if if the number was three, I might look differently or at a push. I think three and a half gives me the green light to say Miami.
2: Kenton. Let me tell you something. Mario Cristobal got married to his wonderful wife, Jessica, in 2006. He ain't took a knee since. Congratulations. (laughs) He may not need it in this game. He may not need it in this game. I think that there are many problems with that North Carolina team that they just haven't played a team that was good enough to expose those problems yet. Miami is going to be pissed off and Mario is going to be coaching for his life or else he's going to join LinkedIn Billy on the line of coaches that one loss turned into two and two turned into three. Three turned into four, and then the unemployment line is for he. That's what is is up against Mario right now, and I think that that team is going to rally together and find a
0: way. I'm worried the team is not very happy with Mario Cristobal, and, of course, North Carolina Drake May very happy with Mac Brown, who has a huge, with Taz Walker being back, a huge momentum boost. North Carolina covers three in this game. Drake May knees it out to close it out last couple here guys UCLA Oregon State Oregon State favored by three and a half at home in a massive Pac-12 game captain
2: I love DJU, man I'm so happy to see him successful at doing this thing because I knew he was not the problem at Clemson with that being said I love to go against Dante Moore as well I get to do double love here give me Oregon State Oregon State's gonna cover this thing Dono do you
1: got the beefs yeah, I'm with you a thousand percent because listen, Dante Moore, you know, this despite Kenton's propaganda, he's eventually going to be a truly great quarterback, but uh. he's a true freshman. <laughs> I give the big advantage to DJ. We, U- Young, LLA, U- and Oregon State, I think they cover.
0: All right, last two NC State. Kenton, this one's for you. Travels to Duke, Duke only favored by three.
2: Well, no Riley Leonard is going to be a problem for that team. That offense is predicated on Riley Leonard being a beast, and NC State's defense, they figured it out. Don't let the 41 points last week distract you. Coach Dorn, for whatever reason, decided to do a bunch of squib kicks, which is neither here nor there. I think he'll make a much better decision in Durham. With that being said, MJ Morris, prime time TV. You talk about young quarterbacks that are good. NC State played five games without five games against one of which was against Virginia Military Institute, and do you know when they scored their season high of points against a Marshall team on a nine-game winning streak with MJ Morris? Yeah. Folks, yeah. NC State is going to cover this thing, and I'll take him out right on the money line. Come on now, come on
0: with it. Duke by three for me, Dono.
2: I don't know, man. I think uh,
1: Riley Leonard is probably worth as much to his team uh, as mm-hmm. you know most any player in the. I just think he's so important for them. I'm going to go NC State for that reason. Last
0: one, ABC 230 College Game Day. Oregon, Washington, in Seattle, Kenton. Bo Nix has seen it all, done it all. He's been in college since
2: Drake Toll was, was sipping baby bottles. You understand? That man was teething when, uh, when Bo Nix was at Auburn. That's how long that, that Bo Nix has been around in this ball game. However, give me the lucky lefty. Give me Penix. Give me a Dunsey. I think Washington gets this one done.
1: Dono. Yeah, Washington won this game by three points on the road last year. I think they win it by more than three points at home this year. Uh, Penix power. I think Washington's going to win this game probably by six, seven points.
0: Uh, bow down to Washington. Mighty are the men who wear the purple and the gold. Not so fast, my friends. Bo oh, okay. the Oregon Ducks. Get it done in Seattle this week. Give me the underdog in this game. The Oregon Ducks. This has been and always will be. That is Kenton Gibbs of Locked On ACC, Locked On Wolfpack. That's Alex Dono of Locked On Canes. I'm Drake Toll from Locked On Big 12. Let's get out of here, boys. This is Locked On College Football Kickoff Live. Hey, Prime members.